This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. So here's the question of the day. How did businesses thrive in the Great Depression? And I want you to know a lot of businesses actually grew, they improved, they did better during the Depression, and some businesses even started during the Depression. And that's an interesting phenomenon. So we want to study a little bit about what made them successful and maybe borrow a few pages from that playbook for today's time. If you haven't already heard it, I did record another episode that was on how to thrive during a recession. So you might want to also listen to that. And if you combine the lessons from both, you'll have a pretty good picture of some ideas that you can actually adopt in your business to continue your success. When we think about the businesses during the Great Depression era, there were several things that they did to be profitable and successful. And I want to first talk about three. One is they focused on items that were necessities that people really were going to need. You always have to eat, for example. So food was a good one to put in that category. And even though times were challenging and difficult, the companies that were successful and that made it, they invested in advertising. So they never stopped advertising, even in this tough market. The companies that were not successful, they didn't advertise, they cut the advertising budget, and therefore they went under. And those who did advertise became household names as a result. And then the third thing I will mention is that they made life easy or easier in some way or took more of the risk out of something. And so I'll give some examples. So as I mentioned, as far as necessities, food is at the top of the list. A lot of new grocery stores were even birthed during the Great Depression. Food that was available, accessible in some kind of a fast sort of a way was also a big hit. The general store was big because at the general store, you could go there, one-stop shopping, and get most of your necessities in one place. People still continued to need clothing, so that was important, cleaning supplies, and even a few things were invented. One thing that was invented was 3M actually invented scotch tape during that time and masking tape because people needed to repair things. And so tape helped them to hold on to some items longer than if they didn't have tape. So you want to keep in mind, what are people going to need if there are tough times and they're trying to preserve what they already have? So if we think about the notion of the food companies and some of what they did to get on the map, there was a grocery store that was called Harp's Food Store. And what they were known for is right in big letters on their store, it was written price cutter. 
So anytime you were near Harps, you would see price cutter. That was their advertising. And everybody was interested in cutting prices during the Great Depression. So clearly that would have been a draw. The general store had a sign on it, Hy-Vee's general store, that said something like needed items. It was for low prices and they provided very good service to their customers. The ones who, bigger companies that did a lot of advertising during this time, they became the go-to places for the products that they sold. And since other people weren't advertising, it made it look like they were the only game in town. And some of these companies are really, they're still household names today. Companies like Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, Kellogg Company, and Chevrolet as an example. As far as making things easier, one innovation that came up during the Great Depression was the Yellow Book, which we later knew as the Yellow Pages. People loved the Yellow Pages or the Yellow Book because they could go there, find a company they might want to do business with. They didn't have to waste time and energy walking to the place, wearing their shoes out, or if they had a car driving there and spending gas, they could call and do their shopping by phone and figure out where they really wanted to go. So it made things easier for people. There was also a feed and seed company, and they didn't just sell the seed to the the growers. They also sold the service with it so that they would come in, they would fertilize the land, they would give consultation to ensure that the crop really was going to be successful and not fail. And think about that. When times are tight and money is tight, people don't want to be doing things that where they're going to lose all their investment. So if you provide consulting with that service, if you provide some fertilizer, if you will, to ensure that those crops are going to be successful, your company may sell more seed than the competitor company that does not include those other aspects. People during the Great Depression, they also simplified products because people could afford simpler things rather than things that were so fancy, nobody could afford them at the time. And they made things so that they had a almost like a recyclable or practical component. So for example, the clothing of the day, the women's clothing often had patterns in the clothes, whether it be floral or some other kind of pattern. So it would hide imperfections, maybe hide t- places where you had to darn it to, you know, repair something that was a tear earlier. And those clothes also had fancy, nice buttons on them. So you could actually remove the buttons and put them on your next outfit, which was a great idea. So you actually had something you could transfer and keep from from the old outfit and carry it forward and still use it. Electricity even became more popular at the time. Most homes at the time of the Great Depression and before, didn't have electricity. However, electricity made things easier and it made owning certain products that could run on electricity make life easier as well. So a green energy source for that time was hydroelectricity. And so those were some of the things that were done. Now, not only were necessities important and people were focused on necessities, they also had to focus on things that made life a little more pleasant at a tough time. So for example, women still wanted their cosmetics. And in particular, they really wanted their lipstick. 
And so cosmetics were affordable. Lipstick was affordable. And people still purchased those items, even though they didn't have a whole lot of resources. People also wanted low-cost entertainment. So movies were big deals. And it was during that time that the drive-ins were even born and became a possibility where you could just drive your own car and park somewhere, put the speaker up to your window, be in your own contained space and watch the movie at hand, bring your own snacks, and then go home after the movie was over. So people were looking for those kinds of lower cost solutions. Some companies also managed to increase the spread of possibilities of who could own their products. So for example, cars were traditionally very expensive and not very many people could own their own car. However, General Motors during that time, they made a large line of cars. They decided they better make some lower cost options or they might go out of business. So they made a number of lower cost options so that they were accessible to more people and different groups and cars made life easier too, if you had one. So that was a good decision on the part of General Motors. And they also extended credit so that you had the ability to purchase a car and not need to have all the cash up front. So again, this is providing a service that's relevant for the times and that the customer would appreciate and might need. And it really gives your customer the ability to access and own your product, kind of the same way Layaway does in some places or the extended payment plans or paying four to five months with no interest and other services like that that we have today. Another innovation that was really helpful during the Great Depression, and this one was particularly practiced by the banks and many of the banks that survived, was what I'll call partnerships. Now, many banks failed. And what you have to remember is back in those days, we did not have the FDIC or the government guarantee to back money that consumers had on deposit in the banks. So at the time when the depression started, there was no such guarantee. So half the banks failed. And if a bank failed and you had money in that bank, you lost all of the money that you had deposited into the bank. And there was no recourse. There was nothing you could do. You would just have to start over from zero. And what a horrible situation and scenario. So people would become frightened at different times, and they would run down to the bank and take all their money out. And as people would run down to the bank to get their money, it caused a flurry of other people following suit, trying to run down to the bank and get their money. And banks didn't always have all that money on hand because money is fluid and it would be in the marketplace. They'd be doing things with it. But if a customer found out that you could not give them all of their money that was in their account, that caused even more of a panic. Everybody came down trying to get their money, which would cause the bank to fail and to go out of business. So Northwest Bank, which today we now know as Wells Fargo, they decided to start a holding company. 
and they partnered with a number of other banks, particularly in the Northwest area. And they said, you know, we can ride through this if we work together. And so they created a cushion of capital and they made a pool of resources available to the banks in this group so that you had access to more resources than what was in your local bank. So if there was a run on money, let's say in your town, everybody was coming to your bank trying to get their money out, then the holding company, the Northwest Bank would send a group down there with you know $100,000 or whatever was needed to put in your bank so that you could pay your people. And when customers saw they could get their money, then people stopped panicking and they stopped coming down to get the money. So having access to ready capital was really a smart idea, partnering together, pooling their resources so that they could provide that service really made a lot of sense. It was quite innovative for the time and very smart on the part of Northwest Bank at that time. There was another bank, and this was interesting to me, that Forsyth Savings and Loan was really a bank that was geared towards Black patrons. And they, of course, were running into the same challenges as all the other banks at the time. And so, as it turned out, they ended up establishing a relationship with Wachovia, and Wachovia, of course, being Wells Fargo of today, And because they established this relationship with Wachovia, they became a branch of Wachovia. They had access again to more cash so they could service their clients and their people without going out of business. So it was, again, another way to leverage the partnership. Now, as a result of all of these banking things that happened during the Great Depression, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did start a few things that were very helpful. He did call for, in 1933, a bank holiday, which was a three-day period where the banks were closed, and they went in to certify those banks that really were in a good financial position, banks that were solvent, banks that really could continue you know, to operate through the Depression time. So they certified the banks, and then they also created the FDIC, to protect the consumer. So out of necessity, that's what came out of the Great Depression. So if I think about these lessons, if you will, from the Depression era, there are some ways we can apply this thinking to our world today. So for example, in our world today, people still are going to need food. They're going to need shelter. They're going to need clothing. They're going to need cleaning supplies. And all of those things that they needed during the Great Depression, in that sense, they're still going to need today. So those businesses still have opportunities if they leverage their opportunities effectively and if they advertise the right features and they're in front of the consumer who needs those products, goods, and services. Some other businesses that are going to be needed would be repair businesses. People may not move or they might not build a new house, but they might fix the house that they're in. They might not buy a new car, but they might fix the car that they already have. Having repair services for the computer, the phone, and other technology is also going to be helpful. 
focusing on utilities. People are still going to need electricity, oil and gas, or whatever it is they need empowering their home. Some people are going to have to move because they're not going to be able to afford, let's say, a bigger house or a more expensive house. And so then storage facilities become important. People may not want to get rid of all of their possessions and belongings because they may be looking forward down the line to another day when they'll be more financially prosperous and can move into a bigger house again. So storage facilities may be important. Also, health and wellness solutions are going to be important to people. And some of those even be digital. If you can create certain exercise classes online, have your trainer online or whatever, these are things that make things convenient for people, which also leads into e-learning. It's expensive right now to go to college. Not everyone can afford that. And yet you can learn something very valuable that helps you in your life, helps you in your business on an e-learning platform. So that's another way that people may be successful in today's time. One of the things I saw, which was a somewhat of a surprise to me, but tattoos apparently were very popular during the pandemic and the lockdowns. And so people might still be interested in that. I don't know if they consider that cosmetic or entertainment, but whatever it is, people are interested in tattoos. And so that's something to think about. Financial services and consulting services are still going to be useful because people are going to be trying to figure out how do I maximize and leverage the resources that I have and how do I use them most effectively? And so accountants are going to be necessary, investment advisors, and again, different kinds of business consultants of all different varieties, helping people to walk through these seasons in a better way. And we're learning these lessons from the Great Depression, thinking there could be a recession that we might face and hopefully not a Great Depression. And these lessons we can fast forward and apply to our day and time. On the financial picture, when you think about your company, especially if you are in an industry where it's very difficult to attract really good talent, and particularly because we are still in the great resignation phase right now, and there are lots of people who are just not available to the workplace. And so there's a talent shortage, whether artificial or not, a talent shortage of some sort. So you don't want to lose your good people in your company. So when times get really, really tight, rather than to get rid of them, maybe you might just reduce the wage temporarily. I have some clients that had to do something similar to that during the pandemic. It was a small reduction. And then as they came out of the pandemic, they returned back to the regular wages with their people. So think about that as an option, as something you can do. Remember, you also want to think about the future and invest in your future. Think long-term. And some companies that didn't do that, they didn't think about research and development. They didn't think about the future. And Ford Motor Company, unlike General Motors, did less of the future planning. And so therefore, they had a lot more catching up to do at the end of the Great Depression, and they were behind. So you don't want to be behind or start out behind. So go ahead and plan ahead and invest in research and development, invest in the future. 
Because during a recession and particularly a depression, money, cash money becomes less valuable. And there's less very often that you can buy with it and do with it. And overnight, a dollar could be greatly devalued. So in your business, if there's a way to transfer your money to hard assets that you need in the business that will still retain value, even though the dollar may go down, you may want to transfer some of that cash into the hard assets that later when you need to sell that hard asset, you can sell it at a good market price, whereas the dollar itself may no longer be as valuable. So that's something to keep in mind. Another financial strategy to keep in mind is that some people are going to be out of work. And one of the challenges of the Great Depression was the number of people who had no jobs at all. And those people really suffered and had less opportunities. People who had work they could still do some things, people who had work. So if we find ourselves in a season where some people don't have jobs, don't have employment, one strategy you might consider is what we know in the entrepreneurial world right now, and particularly the online world, as affiliate marketing. That means there are people out there who might promote your product, promote your service, And you pay them a percentage, a fee for bringing the business to you. So in a sense, it's a way of thinking about having an extended sales force that's out there. So if you've got a business and you can imagine how others might be able to promote that business on your behalf, saving you some money, you can pay them a percentage and that's a win-win as well. So that's something to think about. So again, As we're thinking about what the future may hold and learning lessons from the Great Depression, focus on what people are going to need, what's going to be practical for them, advertise what you are offering, put your name out there so people know that you are available and providing that product and service. And then thirdly, make things easier for people so that the use of your product becomes a go-to product because you're providing support, you're making it easy to use, and think about businesses that produce green energy or technology that facilitates ease of life in today's time. So those are some things you can think about. And remember, people do want a few little luxuries. So think about the cosmetics. Think about the ways that you can create the clothing items if you're into that type of retail where people can transfer items and they can repurpose them and use them again some kind of way. Those are the kinds of things you want to think about. And remember, partnerships are important. You don't have to be a lone ranger or a cowboy. You may have other people in your business space. Maybe previously you thought of them as competitors that you could now partner with, have a consortium, and leverage really these strengths that all of you have collectively and that one of you might not have alone. So those are just some strategies to think about. So as we're closing out today, I want to remind you that in the Bible verses that we cover, Proverbs, the first chapter, verse seven says, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
but fools despise wisdom and destruction. So you want to remember that God knows more than all of us. And we have the ability to access God and to ask for his advice and counsel. Sometimes as we're making business decisions and we don't have God's counsel, we'll head in the wrong direction and make the wrong decision. So you want to be wise and you want to seek counsel from the one who knows all things, who knows what's coming before it gets here and certainly knows more than you or I. So don't be foolish and despise that wisdom and instruction, not only from God, but from other knowledgeable people, people who have been there, done that, people who have expertise, who have experience, or just wisdom. They may be people of God that are just wise people. And then I want to uh, acknowledge that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that everything that was written about those who came before us, that was written for our example so that we don't fall into the same traps as what they fell into. So by principle, I would say that the experiences of the people from the Great Depression have been left for us so we can study that, so we can learn it, and so that we can apply the principles to today even though we may be modernizing the specific and the exact application of those principles. So the verse I want to read today is Romans 15 and 4. And Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So no matter what, and no matter what's coming in the future, maintain hope, because our God is a God of hope, and he is leading us into the future. And with him at our sides, and with God's presence with us, and when God is for us, who can be against us? You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.